0: Air Pit Creative Group presents Aftermath Episode 9 Night Comes On PhD Harumi Per our brief conversation in the cafeteria yesterday, I decided it was in everyone's best interest going forward if I made some kind of document of recent events. This recording is peripheral to my notes on history and linguistics contained in my blue and brown notebooks, the location of which only my longtime roommate and friend, Mike, knows. Should anything happen to me or Mike, I would ask that you guard these documents closely. I was recently approached by Agent Daniel Devenu, Dr. Miro Ganaya, and Engineer Donna Chang, acting on behalf of the Central Processor and the Shadow Council. I was told that I was selected at random to join a special mission to the surface of the planet above us. It seems a hybrid of old and new technology makes it possible for the consciousness of those in the Phoenix Project to be transferred into robotic bodies called simulacrum, robots that look like human beings. These biomechanical machines are impervious to radiation, disease, and the elements on the surface. I joined two other members of the Phoenix Project, a general with knowledge of the past, and that fascist bully, Major Leonard McGillicuddy from Phoenix Law Enforcement. Our minds were transferred into the robots, and we found ourselves on Liberty Island. You know, where the old Statue of Liberty is in New York. There was life there, Harumi. There were seagulls and rodentia, and there were... Well, I guess you would call them people, but they looked abnormal. They were gaunt, and their skin had a yellowish tint. There was something malformed about their eyes, their ears, their gum lines. I think one of them had webbed fingers. I was attacked, Harumi. I lost consciousness, and they brought me back here, back underground. Everything was a little hazy at first but they say I'm alright. The thing is, Harumi, I have to go back. We all do. One way or another, I'm going to find a way. Like my father did. Like those dissidents who went outside of the underground and found a way out. The hatch, Harumi. I just... Somehow I know they found it. They must have. I'm going to find a way that the survivors in the Phoenix Project can go back to the surface. No more living and dying by the central processor's rules and directives. No more enclosed spaces. No more of the Shadow Council deciding who can procreate, with who, and when. We've always been told that we survived for a reason. We've been told the previous generation, my parents and your grandparents, were worth saving to shepherd the next generation. The one that would lead us back to Earth. But what if it was all a mistake, Harumi? What if it all was just dumb luck? And the Central Processor and the Shadow Council, what if they were lying to everyone to keep calm? To prevent dissent? You've always been one of my best students, Arumi. Uh, Who am I kidding? You are the best. And if you know anything about me, you know that I abhor a lie, a deception. If there is truth, I will find it. I have to. Not for those at the Academy, or members of the Shadow Council. Not for law enforcement, or those chosen to live and raise families in the A and B Blocks. I will find it, and I will reveal it, so the people of the Phoenix Project can make their own decisions, so they can decide what is right and what is wrong for themselves. Like I said, Harumi, I'm telling you this because right now, I don't know who to trust. And if anything happens to me, I want you to carry on my work. I want you to make sure those living underground know they don't have to any longer. The computer's synthetic, monotone voice spoke. Utility diagnostics complete. 2112 BOT sector successfully repaired. No data degradation. Donna Chang shifted and turned to face Castro and Cuddy. There. That should do it. The green stream is intact. Cuddy replied urgently. We're running out of time. Chang shrugged. She checked the green stream information transfer coupling a final time. We were fortunate, she said. Dr. Bath's pseudoskin trapped most of the venting plasma. The plasma is flooded with microbots acting like blood cells serving to repair the simulacrum. A self-satisfied smile etched into the lime-green, fleshless face of Chang's robot body. General Castro leaned forward, hovering over the engineer. Chang, is there anything in this place you can salvage? The engineer's robot head moved mechanically, but swiftly and excitedly. The computer itself is, before Chang could finish, Cuddy interrupted. I think what the general meant is, is there anything we can take with us? Chang stood over Dr. Bass's repaired simulacrum. She pointed to sophisticated computer equipment on the walls, several generations of carefully crafted, upgraded, and cannibalized hardware. We should take these units. General Castro moved closer, imploring the engineer. Tools, Chang. Parts we can carry. We're not coming back here. Chang's robot head tilted and then turned. Circuits in her uncovered face lit up, revealing the transfer of energy, information. What do you mean, she asked, her voice suddenly more human than before. It's a perfect workshop, an installation we can use as a base camp. Cuddy shook his head. We're unable to defend it, he said. It's too easily compromised. Compromised, Chang asked. I I don't understand. Do we need any of this hardware to operate our simulacra? Cuddy asked, motioning to the walls of rusted tool drawers. Chang shook her head cautiously. No. I mean, as long as our... your solar cells are intact and fully functioning the simulacra should absorb power and operate just fine. The more they absorb, the more... Castro interjected. Why are we limited to 12-hour recons? A confused look etched into his robot's pseudoskin face. A dull buzzing sound came from inside Chang's simulacrum, as if the engineer was groaning. Our machines in the Phoenix Project are carefully balanced for use with cannibalized hardware. Some upgrades I made myself. When the green stream is balanced across three simulacra, There is considerable signal degradation after about 12 hours. Signal can be sustained longer if only one of us... Chang hesitated, her robot body standing still for the first time in a while. That is, if one of you broadcasts solo. If we can co-opt power and signal from somewhere else, your recons could be longer. Noted, Castro replied. He pointed to a braid of fiber-optic cable in the information coupling lying near Bass' body. "'Grab what you can and head to the surface. "'Wait,' Chang's synthetic voice raised. "'What are you doing?' Castro ignored Chang. Without speaking to Cuddy, the general tilted his head up in a half-nod, an unspoken communication. "'Wait,' Chang insisted. "'You can't destroy this laboratory. You can't!' Castro leaned over and heaved Dr. Bass' repaired but lifeless robot body over his shoulder." The General was amazed at how effortlessly he was able to carry the machine. Cuddy, Castro said to the Major, we'll meet you on the ferry when you've finished here. Understood, General. Danielle Devenue walked into the basement laboratory, past a row of gurneys and a makeshift meeting table. She was sure Gania knew she was there, but for once, the project administrator didn't immediately announce her presence. Devonu was tired. Since General Castro, Major McGillicuddy, and Dr. Baths first trek to the surface, she couldn't sleep much. She was too anxious, and she was concerned her anxiety would show when giving instructions to Ganaya and Chang, or when reporting to her masters on the Phoenix Project Shadow Council. At first she had found some relief in a ration of liquid caffeine for wakefulness, and muscle relaxers for inflammation and sore muscles. But recently, none of this seemed to help, and Devenu knew she couldn't afford to appear as if she was slipping. When Danielle approached, Dr. Gania spoke without turning. The Major's vitals were elevated for a moment there, but everything seems to be going fine. We're about fifteen minutes or so from reviving them. Devenu rubbed her eyes. And Dr. Bath? Gania glanced over her shoulder. From the diagnostics here, she said, pointing to engineer Chang's machines and consoles, it appears the necessary repairs were made. No, Devenu said, leaning forward. the real Dr. Bath. How's he doing? Kanaya turned slightly, glancing over her shoulder at Devenu. As far as I know he's fine. The physician paused a moment, looking the project administrator over. How are you doing? Danielle hated the way Ganaya did that. I'm good. I- I'm fine. Devenu shrugged and straightened her torso, trying to maintain her masquerade. When Bass ready, let's make sure he's prepped and ready to go. Ganaya winced. They need rest, Danielle. We all do. At least 24 hours before we send them through again. Danielle rubbed her eyes again. Fine, she said. But we need to get them over to Manhattan Island as soon as possible. Our research tells us that was the main location of the first blast. We need to confirm what actually happened there. See what's left. I understand, Ganaya said, finally turning all the way around, fully facing the administrator. But we can only do so much at one time. Devenu stared ahead at the equipment. I know. I know. In a rare gesture of concern, Ganaya reached out and touched Devenu on the shoulder. Danielle, why do you push yourself so hard? Is it the Council? Devenu sighed. The Council is patient to a point. It's. it's a central processor. What do you mean? Kanaya asked. You know, the Council consulted the central processor, asked it to randomly select the perfect team for this mission. Kanaya nodded. Of course. That's why Chang and I brought General Castro out of cryogenic stasis. Debenu continued. According to the council, the computer selected all of us. But what if that isn't true? Kanaya crossed her arms. I don't understand, Danielle. What if the council had its own motives? What if members of the council rigged the selection process so that... so that each of us weren't chosen randomly because of our gifts or our talents but because of of who we were. Gania shook her head. That's impossible, Danielle. Is it? Devenu asked. The physician saw the red circles around the project administrator's eyes. Danielle, the members of the Shadow Council don't know the other members' identities. Until we were selected for this mission, I suspect they didn't even know who we were. It's highly unlikely any one of them let alone all of them, could tamper with an artificial intelligence as sophisticated as the central processor. Devenu stared at the equipment again. Maybe. Maybe you're right. But it's too much of a coincidence. How do you mean? Gania asked. Did you know General Castro knew Bas's father? Ganaya shook her head. No. It's not exactly public information, Devenu started to say. But, so they knew each other, Ganaya interrupted. In a population of 3,000, a lot of those in the Phoenix Project's first generation knew each other. What difference does that make? Devenu continued. When they were younger, General Castro rescued Deer Midbath from captivity in the Middle East. Years later, they worked together at the United Nations. I fail to see your point, Ganaya replied. Do you know who was the head of security at the United Nations at the time? Devenu asked. Ganaya shook her head. Devenu leaned closer. Cuddy's father was... The project administrator's words were interrupted by a short screech from one of the communications panels, and a gentle rumble from the porcelain coffins in which Castro, Cuddy, and Chang's bodies lay. Gana held a hand up between her and Devenu. Time's up, she said, pointing to the consoles. They're coming back through. We can continue this later. Devenu shrugged, shook her head. Please. She rested a hand on the physician's forearm. Forget what I said. You have a job to do, Mural. Gania smiled politely at the project administrator, an expression she hoped imparted concern, if not agreement. Devenu nodded and motioned for the doctor to attend to the team, whose consciousnesses were transferring back into their bodies inside the coffins. Inside General Castro's chamber... A team leader could be heard coughing, retching into the tube covering his face. In swift succession, Gania depressed the faded orange button beneath each of the coffins. Hydraulics snapped to life. Liquid inside each coffin turned to gas, flooding from the chamber. The lid of Castro's coffin lifted first. Gania dove into the machine, hands swimming in warm silicon beads and electroconductive matter. Cautiously, she guided the 80-year-old general to a sitting position, watching as slender needles evacuated the back of his skull. Kaniya pulled the rubber mask from Castro's face. Nearby, Devenu assisted Chang. The engineer braced herself on the side of the porcelain chamber, splashing warm liquid on the laboratory floor. Damn it, the engineer shouted. You shouldn't have done that. Dr. Kanaya ignored Chang. She proceeded to assisting Major McGillicuddy in evacuating the chamber. The tall, handsome law enforcement officer straddled the side of the coffin. He made no effort to cover his nude body. "'What is it?' Devenu said, turning to General Castro. "'What's the matter?' Castro shook himself, regaining his senses. For a moment, he thought he felt his paralyzed legs beneath him. Then, electrical sensation fled his body. Chang turned to Kanaya. "'You had no right to remove us when you did. "'I could have stopped them. I could have... (sighs) "'Calm down, doctor,' Castro said. "'Donna Chang practically leapt from the porcelain coffin, "'almost slipping on the fluid beneath it. "'They destroyed the computer. They wrecked the laboratory. "'Everything in the shed on Liberty Island. It's gone.' "'Devenu took a ragged, linen robe from where it was draped across a nearby chair. "'She handed it to the engineer, who covered herself. "'All eyes turned to Castro.' who still sat in the coffin, waiting for someone to lift him out. "'It had to be done,' the general said, without remorse. "'It could be compromised, on-site or remotely.' "'We couldn't take that chance,' Cuddy said, as he searched for something to cover himself." Devenu walked closer to Castro. "'Wait. Slow down a minute.' Before Castro or Cuddy could explain, Chang walked around the row of coffins between a wall of tubes and machine components, the shed under Liberty Island, where we discovered the simulacra, it was a workshop for their construction and repair. The general and the major decided, without consulting me or or any of us, to destroy the computer. It's useless now. We can't port in from that location anymore. General Castro fused the metal doors to the vault. How'd you manage that? Devenu asked. Blowtorch, Castro replied. Cuddy grinned. Hey, where'd you find a blowtorch? On the ferry, the general said. Devenu crossed her arms in front of her. With a gesture of her head, she suggested Ganiah help the general out of the chamber and into the nearby wheelchair. The fairy? Devenu said, rubbing the bridge of her nose. What fairy? I'm sorry, I... Castro settled into the clunky old wheelchair. Ganiah handed him a fresh towel. Listen, Castro explained. Unless you know something you're not telling us, we have no clue who built that workshop, and we don't know who has access to it. ''That makes it a hard target,'' Cuddy added. ''Correct,'' Castro nodded, continuing. ''We dispatched the mutants on the island, but their comrades are going to be back. We can't risk that technology falling into their hands.'' Chang-Ling in, interrupting. ''You don't know that's going to happen.'' Ganaya took a step back, but still hovered near Castro. ''Mutants.'' ''So... survivors have adapted to conditions on the surface.'' Cascio nodded. "'Too many variables,' he said. "'We need to go back, and damn soon.' The general blotted warm liquid from his wrinkled neck and spotted torso. He glanced up at the engineer. "'Look. Cheng. Donna. I appreciate everything you did. I do. But we need Dr. Bath. His knowledge of history. Science. But you can't count on Bath,' Cheng said." The whole group easily detected the air of pettiness in her voice, her attitude. He's selfish. He's... Devenu reached out to the engineer. This was the first time she had seen the older woman so aggressive. Sure, Chang could be self-centered, difficult, and aloof. But Devenu always saw this as a fundamental devotion to her work, the Phoenix Project, and a testament to Chang's skills. Please, Donna... "'Gania spoke earnestly, trying to diffuse the situation. "'After a long silence, Devenu asked, "'What about this... this ferry?" "'Cuddy walked to a row of plastic lockers on the other side of the room. "'He removed a pair of yellow coveralls. "'We found a ferry that used to go back and forth from Liberty Island to Manhattan. "'Looks like the mutants were using it to take their... treasures back and forth.' Gania looked at Cuddy, and then turned away as the Major pulled the coveralls over his naked body. Treasures? She asked. Cans, Castro replied. Food. It appears they use old aluminum cans as some kind of currency. Cuddy zipped up the coveralls. How soon until we go back? Gania turned. Ideally, your body needs 24 hours of rest. Downtime. She looked over at Devenu, who nodded in agreement. I could use the sleep myself, the project administrator finally admitted. What's the status of the simulacra? Cheng stood and walked over to Devenu. We hid them in the old visitor center on the island. Devenu turned to Castro. And this ferry, it has fossil fuel? The general nodded. Ganaya walked to Castro. She pushed the wheelchair to the center of the room so the general could address all the members of the team. Are there any more of these... Uh mutants, as you call them, on the island, Ganaya asked. It's possible, Castro shrugged. It's likely when their friends realize they haven't returned, they might go looking for them. Devenu nodded. She looked at each of them, gauging their expressions, wondering if they were as exhausted as she was. She was proud they were all fiercely determined, but knew each had their own motivations for continuing with the mission, the discovery it was her job to keep them on track but she knew her own limitations she needed rest as well time to herself time to think and plan fine, she said to the group everyone gets 24 hours rest then I want the transmission coffins prepped and ready to send Castro, Cuddy, and Bath back Chang leaned close to Devenu Danielle she lowered her voice but the others could all hear her I need to speak with you That's enough, Devenu said. We'll meet back here in 24 hours. Let's move. Aftermath, a Firepit Creative Group production. Based on a story created by Rhett Davis, with characters created by Rhett Davis, Warren Davis, Willem Degree, and Cole Hoopengarner. Original script by Warren Davis, with Cole Lupengarner. Narrated and produced by Cole Lupengarner, with music by Warren Davis. Links to the sound effects used for Aftermath can be found in the description section of each episode. Aftermath and its story and characters are copyright 2019 by Firepit Creative Group.